0: So the annual Small Cap Awards take place on the 11th of November, recognizing and celebrating the very best of the UK small cap sector. I'm pleased to say that I'm joined today by one of the nominees. Larry Zolch, is CEO of Invinity Energy Systems, which has been nominated for the ESG Company of the Year, which is particularly topical right now. Larry, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here, Tim. <laughs> Very pleased to have you. So uh, let, let's let's crack on. If I can ask you a, a, my sort of first question, I, I, I guess best to start at the beginning. Um, could you introduce Invinity to, to our audience? Uh, I'd be happy to. Invinity Energy
1: Systems makes energy storage, large scale energy storage batteries that connect to the grid and store re- generally renewable energy uh, w- because we know when the wind's not blowing, the sun's not shining, uh, then there's no renewable energy to be had. Will we store it for later use um, and uh, and to stabilize
0: the grid? I was going to say. I mean, with the recent energy prices and, and gas prices in particular spiking, this seems, uh, particularly with, with COP 26 going on as we speak, this is about as topical as it gets. It's certainly true. You know, the
1: our current energy infrastructure uh, was was developed to be very robust, and and a lot of it was designed to track the demand you could turn it up and down as the demand changes but when you go to renewable energy as i mentioned it's 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 intermittent and so that creates a more fragile system so you get a couple of disruptions the wind stops blowing and maybe um, some inner tide to France burns up. And the next thing you know, um, there's no way to make up for the, for the shortfall. And that's where energy storage comes in. Is, is at large scale, being able to store energy when it's available, make it, av- make it available out to the customers um, at times when the wind's not blowing and the sun's not shining.
0: I, I think as I heard someone else describe it, essentially it smooths out the bumps in the, uh, in the supply.
1: Well said, that's exactly right. That's exactly right.
0: And obviously, with, with, with COP26 going on at the moment, are there any specifics that you're hoping to see come out of that? Well, you know, we want to see
1: a big move toward electrification, because that's really the future, uh, is to move from uh, fuel-based energy to to an electrified future based on renewable energy. And we want to support that renewable energy with our energy storage.
0: We're not going to be the only ones doing that, but we can play an important role in that. And when you say electrification, uh, so specifically are you referring to, obviously I think cars is the one that I guess a lot of people are aware of. Are there any other areas in particular?
1: Yeah, well, we're we're um, putting in the largest flow battery in the UK, in, in Oxford, in the Energy super of Oxford. That's to support the electrification of Oxford. And, and that electrification is not just cars, it's also putting in heat pumps into homes, um, into moving appliances to electrical from, you know, burning gas, that kind of thing. So it's really a comprehensive view. More and more we're seeing that, that electricity is able to function as our primary fuel uh, for, for driving the future economy.
0: Excellent. And also your, your nomination, I think, is for, is for the year 2020 when you had the, um, had the merger, and it looks like it, it was a, a good year for you generally. Um, would you say the, uh, the merger has achieved the, the results that you were hoping for?
1: Yeah, so absolutely. And and the merger you're referring to is, you know, the company that I was CEO of, Avalon Battery, uh, based in North America, a pioneer in in vanadium flow batteries. That's the technology underneath our our energy storage. And Red Tea uh, Energy, uh, uh, a UK-based, AIM-listed, you know, on the London Stock Exchange listed company. Both companies um, making real innovation But not quite at the scale and size to meet the opportunity. So we merged them together in early 2020. um, And it's been uh, fantastic because we've we've grown, we've had support of our investors and shareholders. Most importantly, we have developed together a product that's the best of both and are not only have developed it, we've produced it and are shipping it and it's on site. So it puts us in a very different category than some of other storage companies that are still in the uh, promise stage, and and some of them are quite promising, and they and we're and there's a huge market, so we're not worried about competition per se, but but we do put ourselves in in a different category when we say we're actually shipping a a product into a customer site.
0: <laughs> you mentioned the uh, the investors and the shareholders. I imagine they must be fairly happy after the way things have gone. Your, your share price seems to have done very well over the last well, 18 months or more. That's right. I mean, looked at over. You
1: know the the larger um time scale uh, we've done quite well we've had a, a a little softening for a while but we're also now seeing um it coming back and some of that is as we all know there are ebbs and flows for esg there's ebbs and flows for individual companies but the prospects of uh for energy storage could not be brighter right now the the barclays this this last month in october came out with a report um, where they said, well, our projection is by 2050, worldwide trillions of dollars will be spent on energy storage. And their, 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 one of their models was $4 trillion to be spent on energy storage by 2050. This is, there is probably no more exciting market, at least as far as I'm concerned, in the entire
0: world than energy storage driving the renewable energy transition. Absolutely, I think um, ESG generally is, is is about as hot as it gets right now, uh, which, which partly con- contributes, I suppose, to the um, the strong feel for your your, your nominations. Uh, are you aware of many of the other companies that you're uh, you nominated alongside?
1: Well, I know Illica is um, another nominated company, and 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 um, making a solid state lithium battery. W- Lithium is a fantastic battery technology because it's so energy dense um, that, you know, my, I have a Tesla. I I like my Tesla a lot. It has a lithium battery in it. I have, you know, all kinds of products with, with lithium batteries, but when you put them together into big boxes and sitting them in a field, you have to separate them as if they're ammunition dumps because, uh, because they do catch on fire. And that's because they're so energy dense and so much of it together that it can present a bit of a problem. So a number of potential customers are calling us and saying uh you know and 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 actually existing customers as well could tell us about a, your battery that can't possibly catch on fire it it stores energy in a water-based electrolyte so there's there's no chance of, of that happening and 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 we feel that that puts us at a competitive advantage in this one market segment but yeah, look at uh, Um, you know, has great promises, do all the lithium advances to make our life
0: in that road toward electrification. Fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I saw that you recently appointed a new uh, non-executive director, uh, Christina Patterson to the board. Uh, I was interested to know what, uh, what prompted that.
1: Well, you know, Christine is um, uh, in California. has been quite involved in energy policy and production, um, including the, the solar uh, field in, in for for many years. So she brings a real depth of experience to to our board. Um, she was uh, involved with EDF, the the French utility, and their American arm. They're they're probably the most committed of the large utilities. Uh, globally to energy storage, and they, by the way, are part of the Energy Superhub Oxford project. So, uh, Christina brings that depth um, and and knowledge that that we need as we are growing globally. Our focus is really in three primary areas: the UK, um, where we're seeing a lot of traction in 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 multiple sites, um, and and with a lot of interest by the customers the united states especially california and that's where christina and i are and then in australia where we've announced our largest project to date and that's um and that will be going in uh, early next year
0: I, I saw somebody suggesting that it potentially would help you to raise awareness with american investors as well is is that i don't know if there's any truth in that but uh... you know we're always looking to drive the most value to our shareholders now the
1: fundamental drivers of the fact that we're in this fantastic Environment uh, for energy storage—it's certainly the, a hot topic right now. And and you know, in the U.S. market, meeting that demand is something of great interest. So so what we're seeing are companies that are still at this stage of what we call the rendering stage. You know, where they they have some nice technology that looks promising, and then they render the they make these very nice images of you know fields of acre after acre of their of their storage. Um, and they're raising a great deal of money. There's a lot of enthusiasm. Is that appropriate for us? Um, right now, we're, we're appreciative of the support we're getting out of the London market and, and don't have any immediate plans to go
0: beyond that. Okay. Um, you've probably touched on it a little bit already, but I was gonna say, we appear to be living in fairly interesting times at the moment. There are new challenges and opportunities arising uh, left, right and center It feels a lot of occasion. So I was interested to know what you see as the biggest sort of opportunities and challenges for, uh, for for your business.
1: Yeah, I mean, we are still at the beginning stages of of delivering an alternative to lithium batteries. I mean, you know, in some ways the the view is that that. It, we're always talking about putting in more and more renewable energy without anticipating the amount of instability that leads to without energy storage. Renewable energy and energy storage together can create a stable grid. The hunger is so great that um, syst- you know technologies like lithium that aren't perfectly adapted for stationary energy storage are still um, doing quite well, creating a viable alternative to that especially because you know lithium systems because of consumer electronics and everything else have a head start on this. great that gives us a real target um, and an opportunity for us to establish that we um, have a technology that works um, that is reliable that is safe and that, that's long life and and I, and and we're in the process of doing that so that's that's the opportunity. The challenge, of course, is that that, that the macro environment needs to support this renewable energy future and have economic support for storage, uh, energy storage, and and the shift that's going on because it's a a large investment. There's an enormous amount of of support for um, uh, fossil fuel-based technologies, and then billions and trillions of dollars have been spent over the decades to support that we now need to see that shift um, into renewable energy. And that's a that's challenge for us, if it doesn't, opportunity if it does.
0: And forgive my my technical ignorance on this, but one of the, one of the things that somebody pointed out to me recently is that batteries are, there's a lot of rare earths, uh, minerals, and that sort of thing involved in battery production. Is that something that will impact you and would constrain supply be a factor? So our, Uh, battery is based on on
1: vanadium which is an element element 23 it's actually a very common element in the earth's crust it just hasn't been used very often other than for hardening metal there's more vanadium in the earth's crust than copper Uh, so we can it's available worldwide that puts us in a in a fortunate position of not being dependent on a rare earth um, coming from a particular location. There, There's there's, vanadium coming out of the U.S., out of Australia, out of China, out of South America, out Africa for sure. So, so we're,
0: it, we're, we're not concerned about that. The, the fact that it's spread around must be a, something of an advantage then it it is
1: an advantage and and yet it also has the challenge that 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 means it's not concentrated right. in an area so as we're shifting its use from just hardening metals to also being used it for energy storage you know we're we're working with with uh large miners and 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 companies that are producing vanadium now who are finding this to be a new market and and having to change their thinking a little bit and that's that's great but it isn't concentrated that's both good and bad (laughs) potentially
0: a double-edged sword but presumably something that you're planning for oh
1: absolutely (laughs) absolutely it also, me uh, to Africa at one point, um, uh, you know, right before the pandemic, so um, which I had never been to before, but that was important part of the of this process going to South Africa and finding one of the largest uranium producers there, Bushfield Energy.
0: So, okay, and I think I mean manufacturing generally has been, particularly here in the UK, recently has been quite constrained by supply chain issues. Is this something that, that has impacted you guys, and is it something that you have got a, a a plan to mitigate and or, or absorb?
1: Well, you know, uh, we definitely have had some issues. Uh, we we found that uh, some of the electronics um, dependent on chips were delayed. We found uh, sites were that that were using steel were having trouble getting it. That kind of thing. A lot of that has um, has now sort of smoothed out a bit, and we're starting to get uh, really feel like we see the end in sight for the big big delays. another area that's been a problem for us has been uh, shipping costs. you know our batteries are big and heavy um, and 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 shipping them sometimes is five six, seven times as expensive because they look like containers. so we we generally follow the the price of container shipping and and that's that's been a challenge. But again we see that settling down in the future.
0: Looking towards the future, I mean, what broad trends have you guys identified that you think will, will sort of drive the success of your business?
1: Well, certainly the macro trends of the, the, the push toward a higher percentage of renewable energy. As soon as renewable energy goes past the ability of the, of the, the uh, sort of traditional energy generation technologies to accommodate the variation, you have to have energy storage. And, and and the challenge and opportunity for us is that when you look some years into the future, the, the size and scope of the required energy storage is not something we can meet with our current product. We did enter into a joint development agreement with uh, Gamesa Electric, a, a wholly owned subsidiary of Siemens Gamesa that makes wind turbines to develop the next generation of flow battery. That's to address this really grids and utility scale massive storage opportunities that are coming along. So we we see that you know with with all of the challenges, uh, it, it couldn't be a more positive environment for for energy storage in general and the stationary energy storage we do, and then very specifically um, vanadium flow batteries as
0: an alternative to lithium. Right. And, and obviously, as an international business who is listed here in the UK, I think it's been commented on numerous times that UK small cap companies don't necessarily get the, get the same price to earnings multiples that you might see in, uh, in certain other markets. I think the more optimistic we would see this as an opportunity. Um, I'm just wondering, obviously, you've got a, a, a perspective being based over in, uh, in San Francisco. What do you think UK companies can do to achieve those, those greater multiples?
1: Well, I mean, I, we've we certainly have seen some companies that have have done quite well, um, like in the hydrogen industry, and you know, the, the in, on the London market, there's been a lot of support for that. I, I think that in some ways, the London investors are very realistic um, and not quite as subject to the emotional ups and downs that um, the, the, the American shareholders are, <laughs> you know, investors can go into. For us share price is a promise it's it, it's it's actually when someone purchases our our stock we are making that implicit promise that we are going to increase that value uh, you know we in some ways that's the optimistic side also of, of of not having these incredible inflated um stock prices is that we're able to achieve that kind of thing over time and i wouldn't want to be uh ceo of a company with a market cap 10 times our size based on a technology that isn't proven. Yeah. That would be a very scary position to be in because there'd be no room for error um, and no possibility really of, of meeting some of those, some of the requirements. <laughs>
0: um, brilliant. Uh, Larry, that's been fascinating to talk to you. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining me today. Uh, I wish you all the best for the, uh, for the awards next week. And uh, generally for the uh, for the future. Thank you very much. Fingers crossed, and thank you, Tim, for the <laughs> opportunity to talk with you. Great to speech, to you, Larry. Thanks very much. Thank
1: you.